Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and joining me today is someone known for having fists of granite, nerves of steel, an iron will, a silver tongue, and a heart of gold. It's not a Be- silver tongue, Al, look closer, it's a silver beard. Okay, and <laughs> what I just said there, that can describe only one person in this whole world, and that is, of course, Chad Knigget. That night. is I, the Frenchiest of fries. <laughs> so how you doing today, Chad? I am doing just fine. So hopefully we make it through this episode without... Uh, going off at each other because we're just to give you guys a little bit of a behind the scenes we're actually doing a back-to-back recording right now so chad you've survived over an hour talking to me i know and now it's going to be another like 40 minutes or something (laughs) i i need whoever you know up above who's listening i get wings when i die because i'm dealing with this (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. I don't know if I should laugh at that or be insulted. Well, when you figure it out, you let me know. <laughs> okay, so we are going to be continuing yes, our... Yes, if I were you, I'd laugh at it. I do, yes. Hey, if I... <laughs> Chad? Yes? If I, if I don't laugh at myself, who will? Everybody else. So you might as well do it yourself, because you might as well join in with the with the mass majority of us all. That is true, So we're going to be continuing our look at the Black Mirror series. Uh, This is Season 3, Episode 2, Playtest. So I actually, now I understand that you weren't really too fond of the actual episode, but when we get to the second part where we talk a little bit about some of the technological uh, implications of this episode, hopefully we'll have a little bit better discussion then. So... So, like I said, you you tell me you didn't really like this episode very much? No, this episode is probably one of the scariest episodes we've watched so far. Not because of what happens, because um, the things that happen in the in the um, actual video or the actual TV show, the, 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 the episode, sure, they're scary. They can be considered scary or, you know, whatever. But... That's not what scares me. It's the implication of where technology is going that scares me. Yep. And we'll and... get to that later. But um, the episode itself, no, I, I was not a fan of the episode. Um, You'd rather re- rewatch the pig f- episode? In a heartbeat. <laughs> and I have said I will never rewatch that episode. So <sighs> playtest could make me a liar. Well, let's jump right into it, and uh, let's end Chad's suffering as soon as we can here. So, the episode starts with a man named Cooper. Uh, His father had died due to Alzheimer's disease. So, he decided what he was going to do is he was going to go try to travel the world. And it starts out with a nice montage where it shows him he's leaving home, and then it shows various pictures and videos of him uh, sightseeing in various exotic places around the world. Ignoring um, his mother from all parts of the world. Yeah, that's one thing where it's like, okay, while this guy had kind of a happy-go-lucky attitude at the start that made you kind of like the guy, but when I was re-watching the episode, I'm like, dude, this guy's like 
being a total jerk to his mother, not answering her calls. Right, and his dad had just died recently. You know, it may not have been like right before he left home, but not that far in the past, his dad had died, and now he's ignoring his mother. And it kind of makes you wonder what the point of that was throughout the show, because it, it happens on several different occasions during the episode. And I still haven't figured out, I haven't been able to put together those two things other than it leads to the climax of the episode, basically what they did, and not to try to ruin anything here, but what they did is they basically had his mother kill him by calling him. So that's the only reason I can see for all these phone calls and the reason that he was ignoring them. Yeah. Well, so we'll, yeah, we'll talk a little about that in a few minutes here, but so the... While he's in London, he spends a night with a woman named Sonia, who, as it turns out, she is a tech journalist and a video game fan. So he's getting ready to book his return flight home, and that's when he finds out that someone stole his identity, and he doesn't have any money. So now he has to wait for the bank to refund his money so he can buy a ticket back home. Which, you know, and this hinges on a fear that's not rooted in technology. Well, it is rooted in technology in a way. Uh, I mean, identity theft, um, it's been going on for ages, but... uh, It's definitely technological now. Yeah, technology makes it a little bit easier to do that. A lot easier to do that nowadays. But as he is trying to think of ways to get home, he finds that there is a opportunity with a video game company called Seru Gamu, which makes survival horror video games. And all he has to do is just come in and do a play test of a game. So while he tells Sonya about this, and she urges him to take a picture of the game technology so she can presumably use it in a story. So then he goes to the building and meets up with Katie who is, I mean, I don't I don't remember what they said, what her exact position there was, but she was the one who was going to be leading him through the playtest. You know, that was the one actress I had an issue with, is that part of Katie, I just thought was not well done. It was like almost like she was not even real. She, I mean, she was very robotic, or yeah, robotic, or or not. <sighs> she was very prim and proper. Um, I guess you could say, at least that's my opinion. So very okay. stereotypical British, because I know that's one of the stereotypes about uh, the British is that yeah, they're you know the very polite and prim and proper. Um, so that's that's where I thought she was almost a very stereotypical English. Uh, but again, that's just my opinion. I realize not all Brits are like that. But yeah, she was... Um, I thought the actress did a good job, but the character did seem a little bit wooden. Yeah, like they didn't develop the character. Not that the actress was doing a bad job. I just don't think she had any direction as to what was supposed to be of this character. And maybe I'm over-analyzing this, but I've come to watch Black Mirror in a way that I watch no other TV. (laughs) 
because we're talking about it. So you look for the little nuances, you look for the little things that differentiate things from a normal TV show. And she just, in my opinion, she just did not fit into this whole episode. And I don't know if, because I know you've seen them all, but I have not. I don't know if later on, if somehow this whole game consortium comes back into the fold, you know, like some of the other stuff that we've seen uh, come back into the fold with the different um, game shows and the different um, star power type things. So I don't know if it comes back and we see it again or if we've seen it already and I'm just not remembering it or something like that. But well, I, the technology, some of the technology that you're going to see in this that we saw in this episode, because uh, we it's been established that the episodes are interconnected, where if you could, you could possibly put them all together in a coherent timeline. And the video game technology that we see in this episode, uh, it looks like it's a very primitive version of a video game technology we see in a future episode that we were actually talking a little bit about before we recorded uh, called USS McAllister, which I liked the episode, though your daughter said she wasn't really much into it. I haven't seen it yet. So I think you'll like it, but we'll get to that. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So... Anyways, uh, Katie leads Cooper to the playtest room, which is just a plain white room. And, of course, there's this waiver that they have to sign because he has to acknowledge that they're doing a minor medical procedure on him. They're going to be planting something called a mushroom in the back of his neck. So, Katie instructs him to turn off of his phone, for security, of course. But, while he's looking through the paperwork, he finds out there's no place for him to sign. So as Katie leaves the room, he turns the phone on and takes a quick picture of the technology and then puts his phone down, but he doesn't turn his phone off. Right. So Katie then, like I said, implants this miniature computer, the mushroom, into the back of his neck. And as they're starting to get ready, it's interrupted from because of a call from Cooper's mother, which, of course, he ignores. And, you know, Katie cancels it. But I almost wonder why she didn't turn off the phone. Because it's like, yeah, okay, she, right. yeah, cause she just realized that, okay, he had this phone on him. Why didn't she turn it off? Especially since she's already aware of what the consequences are, we find out later. Yeah. So the, I mean, it's possible maybe they thought there was another, well, we'll get to that when we, at the end of the episode. But anyways... So after the pro the program starts running, it he gets to play a 3D game of whack-a-mole. And I actually liked this segment. It was very lighthearted considering what happens later in the episode. It's the only part of the show I liked. <laughs> so yeah, because what happens is they put these discs on the table, and because of this augmented reality, this mushroom in his neck, he starts to see, um, at first it looks like an 8-bit, old video game gopher pop-up so then she turns up the realism level and sees a little something you'd see in a 3d computer animated movie so he basically plays a little game of whack-a-mole and it was kind of fun the way he was trying to interact with the little uh, mole creature and he was also amazed because 
she, Katie, didn't actually see the thing. And she was explaining to Cooper that, you know, because of this augmented reality, you're the only one seeing and experiencing this. Well, they, after his game of whack-a-mole, they offer him the opportunity to test a survival horror game because that's what the company is, is well known for. So they describe how the mushroom implant is supposed to probe the player's brain to find out what scares them the most. And this would create a survival horror game with a very personalized experience. So what are your thoughts on that? Or do you want to discuss that maybe at the end of the episode? No, no, um, that's fine. My thoughts on that are, I know some of the things I'm afraid of, and I don't want to see them in augmented reality. <laughs> I mean, I think we all have things that, you know, uh, scare us. I mean, one of my big things is clowns. <laughs> Damn, are clowns creepy. So I take it you never liked going to McDonald's when you were a kid? Um, It depends on the clown. It always had to do with the eyes. Now, Ronald McDonald as a clown was fine, but I don't know if when you were a kid in Milwaukee, like they would have days when Ronald would be at the restaurant, right? They would do that around here too. And it would always depend on the person playing the clown. If you actually had somebody who was happy and you know a happy person overall you can see that in someone's eyes and i didn't have a problem with that it's when they got the janitor and made him dress up as you know ronald and he didn't want to be there and you can tell that and i have found for most of my life that your eyes tell such a story your eyes tell whether or not you want to be there your eyes tell them whether or not you're bored, you're interested, you're mad, you're happy. It's all there. You know, they, they always say that the eyes are the soul, are the windows to the soul. And there's a lot of truth to that. Um, like the movie It scares me. The original one, which now by today's standards is very cheesy and very tame, always scared me when I was younger. I have seen part one of the new It, and I didn't sleep well for nights. But now <laughs> I have to watch part two because otherwise my brain starts trying to finish the movie for me, and that's not a good thing. But um, I have some friends that live in Iowa, and I said I wouldn't watch the part two until we could all watch it together. So now that it's out on video, they're going to be here in a, in a week or so. And uh, we're going to watch the second part of it, so that'll be done. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's it really depends on the eyes behind the clown. Yeah, because I personally think that some technology like this where it could actually probe your brain, I think that would be more frightening than whatever it could conjure up. Uh, well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure there's other ways that they could develop personalized horror experiences, but a little computer device sticking in my neck that's reading my thoughts and my memories, that's pretty creepy. I mean, well, think about this. You know some of the things you're afraid of, right? I mean, yeah, you know what you're afraid of. What if there's something even worse in there that you don't even realized or that you don't even know you're afraid of? Because it's just never gotten through that 
block your brain has naturally put on it because it's too much for you. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not a big horror guy to begin with, um, except in my role playing. I love running horror I was, style. I was going to say that's kind of that's kind of strange to hear, considering you're a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft. I know, but there's a difference. I don't like. I, I should rephrase that. I don't like horror movies. Okay. I enjoy the genre when it comes to reading it or writing it or playing it because you can kind of put your own natural regulator on it. But with, would you say that maybe with like some movies and horror movies and video games, they rely too much on the jump scares? Absolutely. And I hate jump scares. I'm a fat man. My heart can't take that. <laughs> well, and I agree. And it's like this, the problem is sometimes with like jump steer, scares, they just get overused. And, uh, but anyways, uh, to get back to the episode here. So what they're doing is they take him to uh, what well, he thinks he's going to this, um, this house that appears in some of their other video games. Well, and before we go that, you're missing a step there. He goes to go see Saito. Yes, that's right the owner of the company and they tell him that they are putting an augmentation on the mushroom. And then he's going to go to this, to this house. Um, so you see him, they gets put in that headband again, that, that locks him into the chair. She adds something to, um, uh, some sort of a addition, some sort of programming to the mushroom. And then they head to the house. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean, but I think that's... Oh, that's okay. I missed that. Yeah, it's good catch. <laughs> so, go on. So, okay, so they get to this house. And... shit. Yes. And then, uh, again, he has a little... A few jump scares while he's, uh, you know, communicating with Katie through this earpiece. Uh, you know, there's... First, it starts out with just a little spider. So, they're just testing the waters. Then he starts hearing the strange noises. And then, all of a sudden, this guy just appears but he's just standing there silently and i don't know if you caught this or not but when he when uh cooper was on his way to the into the office building he saw some people working on a computer and one of them was looking looks like they were making a 3d model that looked like that person that uh he saw there and as he looked he noticed that the person that he saw and I forgot the guy's name, but it was someone who bullied him back when he was in school, when he was younger. Right. Um, so, yeah, he said he wasn't really afraid of him, but since he was a bully, you know, he right. didn't really have positive memories of him. So he's exploring the manor a little bit, goes in the kitchen, and again, he sees like a shadow around the corner. And he's like, okay, you're going to try to jump scare me again. But then a huge spider appears. And it's got With that guy's face. face. Yeah. And that was actually pretty freaky. Yeah, that was, uh, that reminded me of something from like a uh, science fiction, or not science fiction, but like a like a dark fantasy movie or something yeah. like that. You know, like almost just this side of like a drider, you know? Mm -hmm. So he hears a knock on the door. And when he goes to answer it, Sonia's there. And at first he thinks she's just a, a simulation, but he touches her and she's actually really there. And, you know, she tells him that she's in danger, but then all of a sudden she 
starts attacking him. So they get in a fight, and it's like, okay, he wants out. It's like, okay, this has been too much for him. So they try to instruct him to go to uh, an access point that he can use to leave the game. Um, but when he gets there, he tries to, you know, he breaks a mirror, and he's just having a total psychic breakdown, psychotic breakdown. And, and I actually thought that was one of his best acting performances in this uh, episode. Let's see, the guy who played him, Wyatt Russell. So I think that mm-hmm. was probably his that was probably his uh best performance in It was. This. It was really well done. Um I can't argue with that. The episode, like I said, other than Katie, who just didn't didn't seem to fit, I thought the the episode was well done. It was actually one of the better ones as far as acting goes and things like that. But uh, it's it's a really scary episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then uh, when finally he he gets out of the game, or at least he thinks he's out of the game, uh, he's back in Show's office. And, you know, they give him the money so he can, you know, he, he's returning home. And he finds his mother, but his mother doesn't recognize him. So she keeps trying to call him. And that's when it just appears to be too much for for Cooper. He comes back to reality and he basically dies. Um, and because as you find out, when the phone rang, that interfered with the the mushroom. game being uploaded into his mushroom. And what really shocked me is because I don't know about you, but I thought that he was actually going to get home. So when I watched the episode for the first time and it brought him back and showing that, you know, he died, that really, I mean, that really threw me for a loop. Uh, well, and also, the thing that really freaks me out about this, okay, is when shows there in this room, Katie's there and they're basically like, oh, here it happened again. And... And show asked how long, and you know she said like one and a half seconds or something like that. It was like point zero four seconds. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, point zero point or whatever seconds. Yeah. So not even a second. All this stuff went through his head. All these horrible, frightening things, and he's dead. Now think about that, Al. Think that if that final moment that you have consciousness and you're alive and this mushrooms in you and all that happens and that's it. That's, that's the end of your memory. That has to be the shittiest way to die ever. You know, and the thing that honestly, I didn't really like that game design character, that show guy, because he seemed really kind of cold and uncaring about it. It's like, okay, someone died playing the game. Okay, back to business as usual. Well, right. We need to figure out what's going wrong here, you know. And I get that from uh, from a developer point of view, but there should be some time taken to recognize that the problem with this is actually taking human life, you know. And he's more or less like, well, toss it out, grab another one. Yep. You know, and but you you find out in the end that what actually killed him was the call that came in from his mother. So when Katie had picked up the phone and said, "Oh, I thought I turned this off," that's our that's in his head already. 
he's already dying at that moment. I mean, so that's, you know, halfway through the episode. It's like a 54-minute episode. So, like, 27 minutes in, he's dead. But we don't know it till minute 53, you know? Yeah. So, so for you, it wasn't that you necessarily thought it was a bad episode. You just thought it was a scary episode. Yes. Scary to the point that the idea, because our world is becoming more and more like this alternate reality of Black Mirror. Our world is getting to the point where people are augmenting their reality in order to um, make their enjoyment more, whatever it is, whether, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be just video games, but, um, you know, are not AI, that's the wrong word, but like the augmented reality, reality becoming a thing. They've got where you can buy phones and then you buy a visor and you put your phone in your visor and it's 3D, you're in this 3D world. At what point do we say, well, that's enough? I mean, or does it all become enough when we're all walking around with these visors on, living in an alternate reality and forgetting about the real world? You know, yeah, maybe, and... maybe as, um, what's his name from, uh, from SpaceX? Um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Maybe Elon Musk isn't quite right. Maybe we're not living in the Matrix yet. But the way, as you watch technology and the things they're doing with technology, it kind of feels like we're trying to get there. And that scares me more than anything. Yeah, the idea where sometimes you're, for some people, if there's so much into the technology that they lose touch with reality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, this whole idea of augmented reality is actually going to be explored again in another episode. Uh, actually, two other episodes that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, one of them I mentioned before, the USS McAllister. And mm-hmm. then there's another episode episode called Men Against Fire. You want to talk about a scary application of augmented reality type technology? Honestly, I think Men Against Fire has a much, much more terrifying application for how augmented reality could be used than this game does. But, you know, well, well, you know, and we've already seen augmented reality within the world of Black Mirror. Um, there's the Christmas episode. Yep. They use augmented reality. There's the episode with the girl who's they make her relive the day where she killed somebody over and over and over again. We talked about that one about that I'm, was the Christmas episode. Yeah. What's that? That was the Christmas episode. No, there was another one where every day they wipe this woman's brain. Oh, yeah, uh, White Bear, White Bear. White Bear. Um, that's another one where they used an augmented reality of sorts. It may not be like... Yeah, that was more just reality. general mind-wiping technology, so I really wouldn't consider that augmented reality because like, the augmented reality would be like when you're seeing something through like your screen, but it's not actually there. A uh, good example, well, you remember when you used to play Pokemon Go? Mm-hmm. You know, that was augmented reality in, in a way because you had the option of when you were going to, um, when you were going to catch a Pokemon, you could switch to the augmented reality view. So you actually you had to look around. 
who didn't do that, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, look at that, right there in the grass, and you're throwing your Pokeball at it. Yep. But, yeah, each step that we as a people take, we as a race of individuals take, that take us closer and closer to this augmented reality, to this living outside of what's really around us, what we can touch and what we can feel, gets kind of scary. I mean, there are, and and I'm not like saying it's a bad thing necessarily, but there are kids that will game for days on end. They won't sleep. They hardly eat. They barely get up to take care of the necessities of life because they're into this new game or this new whatever, you know, and they got to finish and they got to finish. And I'm just like, you know, when I was a kid, I had video game stuff. You know, I, I had a, I had an Atari, I had a Pong game. And now granted, they're not as immersive as what we have today is, even though in a way it was back then. But for me, it had always been, Oh, you know, I'll play for a couple hours and then I'm going to go outside or I'm going to go do something else. Yeah, because, I mean, I I enjoyed playing video games a lot when I was a kid, but I also enjoyed going out and taking a walk around the neighborhood every now and then as well. Right. You know, we'd go out all summer long was football season. You know, in my neighborhood, we'd all get together at least, you know, three, four days a week during the summer with a pickup game of football. And it was whoever showed up, you know. If you weren't there one day, it was no big deal because you'd be there tomorrow kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) it's like – and I noticed even with my kids, to get my kids to go outside and play, they're like, why? My phone's in the house. My computer's in the house. My – you know, the TV's in the house. And it all is just this this push, it feels like, from every side to – become more sedated and more sedentary don't you mean yeah, sedentary yeah to be more sedate as a, as individuals if you're in the house watching tv you're not having a fist fight with the neighbor kid you know when i was a kid fist fights happened you got in a fight with the kid you got in a fight with your best friend you know what two days later you were over it and you were playing football again or you were you know, it was just the way of things. But now it seems like they want they want people to be so nice to each other that they forget the fact that as humans, we are predators. So you, you think know? maybe that almost, I was, was wondering, uh, do you think maybe that almost kind of went led to the could have led to the events that we saw in Nosedive where they have the society that for some reason put something in place where you pretty much have to be nice to people and always give them positive ratings. But, and if you didn't, it's like, and someone did have a lower rating, it's like they were kind of looked down upon, but yeah, but I, I I get what you're saying. And so you, so you think it's definitely this technology is, is very frightening. Yes, I do. Do you not agree? I mean, I do agree that it can be frightening when you get to a point where technology does almost totally remove you from the physical world. Because, again, as we saw in this particular episode, uh, Cooper, you know, he could have thought that, you know, quite some time had passed 
But as we found out in reality, you know, it was less than a second. And yeah, I mean, that does, that is actually kind of scary. And as I mentioned before, I personally think it would be frightening if they did have a game where it could somehow find out what scared you and try to focus on doing those encounters, you know, trying to throw what, what you find most frightening at you. So yeah, that would definitely be terrifying, I think. <laughs> so so what is what would you consider to be the impact on our daily lives if something like what happened in this episode playtest were to become a standardized thing? I think it would be potentially harmful because you would have people I think that would almost entirely withdraw themselves from reality. And again, in another episode, uh, again, one your daughter mentioned before we were started recording San Junipero, uh, they do explore, uh, you know, it's again, it's another one of those episodes where they explore the theme of like a, a virtual world. But yeah, I mean, it, it it's kind of scary to think that if technology did evolve to that point, there would be people that would prefer to live in this virtual world where they could do anything, be anything rather than deal with the problems in, you know, in this world. And what happens to those people? I mean, this is a what if kind of thing, but if somebody draws into that world and they're so immersed in that world, what happens to that person's ability to function in the real world, in reality? I, and I think that would suffer because, you know, there's obviously how you would, deal with people in like an MMO or in a virtual role-playing game, that's going to be, you know, a lot different than how you would deal with them in real life. Now, I never got much into the online multiplayer games, but from what I understand, it's a lot of people calling you various racial slurs and pe finding out who's been sleeping with whose mother, uh, if you know, <laughs> you know, if you know what I mean. So it's a lot of name calling and, and racial slurs and various sexual slurs and things like that. Right. And I don't understand why people still do it, because to me, no gameplay scenario is worth being berated by 12 year olds while I'm getting killed by them and, you know, Call of Duty. It just doesn't make sense to me. So you don't like the idea of being called a while being hit with a shotgun and then teabagged by a 12-year-old. Correct. Well, any closing thoughts on this episode? Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, if you're out there and you do these kind of games, just think about the impact upon the real world. That's yeah. all I got. Well, uh, with that said, then, I'd like to thank you all for listening. And before we go, Chad... Now, from what I understand, there is some place that both of us are going to be uh, in a, a little over a month. Yeah, we're both going to be at Evercon up in Wausau, Wisconsin, at the uh, at the big uh, convention center up here. I can't think of the name of it right now. It used to be called the Patriot Center. But um, if you go online to evercon.org, you will find it. You will find directions. You will be able to purchase your badge early up until, I think, a week before the show, which is January 10th to 12th. I recommend buying them early because you save money versus uh, buying them at the door, which is also you can do. 
you know, the way I talk about this thing, you'd think I was involved, but I'm not. I'm just a guy who likes to go and uh, and do the same things that other people do when they go to cons, play games, eat food that I shouldn't, uh, buy stuff from <laughs> vendors that I really don't need. So, so Chad, did, yeah. your, did your wife find out about that $750 sword you bought the last time I was in Evercon with you? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, so, yeah, I mean, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Um, Scott will be there. So uh, a bunch of us will be there. We're all running something. Uh, Scott's running a game of uh, the Red Hand Doom, uh, which is a – 5e game i believe if i if i'm not mistaken i'm going to be doing a play test of a new call of cthulhu module i'm working on called enter the sandman and ul what are you doing well for my game i've been developing strange things afoot previously known as scary spaghetti i'll be running a couple demos there and i'll also be doing a demo of robot battle lords a game specifically designed to give full-grown adults an excuse to play with their transformer toys. All right. So, and so, Chad, before we go, why don't you also tell us a little bit about the Eggman project? The what am I project? That's what EMP stands for, Eggman project, right? Oh <laughs> no, uh, the Eclectic Media Project. Yeah. Um, right now, actually, I don't have a whole lot to say because our website is down because we're working on uh, moving it. So it will be down for a little while yet, but uh, it will be at eclecticmediaproject.com. But in the meantime, if you need to get a hold of us for anything, you can find, uh, you can email us at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. We can answer any of your questions there, but the hub will be coming back online, hopefully before Evercon. And uh, we'll be back at the mission of getting my stuff, your stuff, everybody's stuff in a nice little handy hub right there on the internet well thanks again for joining us everyone and until next time we'll catch you later and have a wonderful day hey this is adventures anthology or what we lovingly call dnda we're a native green bay group of four players in our dm micah brault who all come from different backgrounds and have different experiences and skill levels within Dungeons and Dragons. Our campaign takes place in a created homebrew universe of various genres, and we have a tasty cocktail drink every session. We'll have one-shots with special guests like Blake McClellan from Mindless Productions. We run raffles for miniatures, and potentially we'll do some meetups in the future. So come check out our website and join the conversations at Adventures Anthology on Spotify. So if you like Dungeons and Dragons, role-playing, and drinking shots to craft cocktails... Check us out. Thank you. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POIGamestudio.